Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our senior pastor, Pastor Omar Lopez, in a message called Life Turned Upside Down. It's from our Allegiance series. Also, if you haven't followed us on Instagram or Facebook, do that and follow us at PC Paramount. Also, check out our website at praisechapelparamount.com for tons of resources and information. Enjoy this message. Praise the Lord. Well, welcome everyone. We're glad you're here and glad you came to the house of God. Are you glad you're here this morning? Well, turn to your neighbor and say you're in the right place at the right time right now. I honestly believe that today, and we're going to have a wonderful time. We're uh, uh, just uh, having a great worship this morning and just uh, just really enjoyed that. And we're in a new series called Allegiance. Say Allegiance. And uh, what that word allegiance is this morning, it means to support or to be loyal to a particular group or a person or a belief. Now, let me just say something about allegiance. We have different degrees of allegiance. And when we say allegiance, automatically everybody thinks about uh, our allegiance to our country. But we have different allegiance to different things in our life. Uh, wherever you may work, you have an allegiance to that job and to that company that you work for. And the co-workers that are there, there's a, an amount of loyalty, an amount of importance that you have there, uh, that you where you work and, wh- and wh- who you work with. There's an allegiance to your family, there's an allegiance to your uh, husband, to your wife, to your children, uh, to your parent. There's that allegiance to that family that you have there. So we have different degrees uh, of allegiance. You have an allegiance to your community and the neighbor, uh, neighborhood that you live in. <clears throat> Obviously, we have an allegiance to the country that you have citizenship to. And so there's an allegiance to that. There's also an allegiance to your church family. Can you say amen? And you say, hey, man, I go to this church and I attend there. And this is where my allegiance is. This is where I support. And so there's different types of allegiance that, that all of us have. But can I tell you the greatest allegiance that we need to have is our our allegiance to Jesus, hallelujah. Our allegiance to God needs to be above every allegiance that we have. In fact, Jesus said, you need to love me before you love anything else. I need to be first in your life. In fact, one of the first commandments is love God. And so we're supposed to love him first, and we're supposed to serve him above everything else. And so I'm going to talk about, uh, I'm going to get into this series, this whole series this month is going to be out of the book of Daniel. And we're going to be talking about Daniel's life because Daniel is a very unique person, a very unique prophet of God that uh, many of you have read about, maybe you know about, but we're going to kind of talk about his story. I'm not going to get in detail uh, today about the life of Daniel, but I'm going to reference uh, his background and I'm going to let you know where he's come from and what, uh, how his situation and how it relates to us because the Bible said that this young man was captured and enslaved at the age of 15 years old. Could you imagine taken from your home, taken from your family, taken from your community, and he was taken or captured by the Babylonian Empire, which was a very evil empire during that time. And we're going to see throughout his life that he was from a prisoner, he went to the palace to a great position. And he became this great prophet of God. So it's just amazing how even being captured, 
that this man still held his allegiance to God. Even when the culture was evil, even when the empire was evil, he still held his allegiance. And not only did he survive, but he thrived. Hallelujah. And I believe this morning that we're not supposed to live life just thriving, but we need to be, or just surviving, but thriving. Hallelujah. And I believe that, and we're going to see that in the life of Daniel and be able to see the situation because I'm here to tell you today that even in our world and during the the time that he lived in, he lived in a very, very difficult time. And I'm here to tell you, whenever our society, how many feel like the world's been turned up by, upside down a little bit? I'm going to talk about that today. I'm going to talk about when your world is turned upside down. And I'm going to show you out of the book of Daniel how his world was turned upside down. In fact, the book of Isaiah gave a prophetic word that our society at one point or the children of Israel would be turned upside down. In other words, when our culture is headed for collapse, when it reverses its values. How many know that? It's headed for collapse. Whenever we reverse what held our culture or held our society in healthy ways, whenever we begin to go against that, it begins to reverse the values and it creates an unhealthy culture. Look at what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20. It says, you are doomed. That's pretty bad, huh? If you call evil good and call good evil. He said, destruction is certain when you call darkness light and light darkness. When right is considered wrong and what's wrong is considered right. When you claim what is bitter is now sweet and what is sweet you now call bitter. So let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to help us as we get into this series this morning. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word. We thank you that your word is powerful, that your word is relevant, that the word of God applies in 2020, and it applies to our lives right now, not only to us individually, but to our nation and to the world. God, I pray that the word would speak loud into the hearts and souls of people and help us to hear, God, our our spiritual ear. Help us to hear from our soul, God from the inside not just the outside and lord let us not be distracted but god let the word penetrate our soul that it not only gives us information but transformation i pray for the anointing of the holy spirit as i declare your word that the people are going to hear the voice behind the voice in jesus name and everyone said and so isaiah is talking about a collapsing here in other words the culture is not going to last when you are calling evil good and good evil. He said it cannot last. It basically is doom, it's destruction, it's what he's saying. And, and, and when Isaiah prophesied that, he prophesied this 2,600 years ago to the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel had fallen into immorality. The nation of Israel had fallen into idolatry. The nation of Israel had fallen into a place of injustice. And they were idolizing things that weren't of God. They were treating people wrongly. And they were fall- they had fallen into immorality. Kind of sounds like the news today, doesn't it? 
And they, they were prophets during that time. There was the prophet by the name of Jeremiah. There was the prophet by the name of Ezekiel. And a prophet by the name of Zephaniah who had been prophesying uh, along with Isaiah what would happen to a nation when it moved from its values, when it began to reverse the values of God. And Daniel was just a young boy, again, when all this was happening. He was 15 years old. And he began... Again, he grew up in, in a time where he was hearing these prophets that were going, that were giving warning to the nation of Israel, and they were telling the nation, "You're going to lose your freedom if you don't get this right." He was warning the nation of Israel that if they continue to fall into idolatry and immorality, uh, that sure enough, doom is going to come. And 600 B.C., what happened is the emperor or the king of of Babylon named Nebuchadnezzar, one of the most powerful empires during that time, came into the capital city of Jerusalem and destroyed it. They took 25% of the nation as prisoners. They took them back to Babylon and they were in slavery for 70 years. It was a complete disaster. There was a collapse of the culture that shook everybody. Everybody was shocked that this nation of Babylon had come into Israel, had taken it over, and now they were uh, the ones that were controlling everything. But the Bible says that they they should have never been shocked because they had been warned what would happen. How many can say amen? In fact, there was another guy by the name of uh, Asap. He's a psalmist. Most of us have read the book of Psalms, and we often think it's only David that read the, or, or wrote those Psalms. But do you know that Solomon wrote some of the Psalms? Uh, also, Moses wrote some of the Psalms. And this guy named Asap wrote this Psalm. And look at what he write, writes here, because he's kind of complaining on God's behalf. And he's speaking to the judges and leaders in the country uh, for uh, being corrupt and not being fair. This is what he says in Psalms 82, verse 1. It says, God presides over heaven's court, and he pronounces judgment on judges. So he's talking to the people of Israel. How long will you, uh, will you judges hand down unjust decisions and show partiality. In other words, how long are you going to be biased? How long are you going to be prejudiced? How long are you going to be prejudiced and give uh, fair judgment? He goes, give fair judgment to the poor and to the orphans. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the defenseless. He says, rescue the poor and the helpless. Deliver them from the heartless of evil people. Because the leaders are foolish, he said. They lack understanding. People are living in dark times. And all the foundations, what did this say, of society are shaken to the core. Now, many of you are thinking, man, are you going to get all political? No. What I'm saying this morning is what was happening in the nation of Israel and what's happening in our nation today, if we're not careful, the foundation of our society has been shaken to the core. And again, it sounds like the news today. Uh, How many realize that our society and our nation has been shaken? Our economy has been shaken. Our freedom of speech has been shaken. Our freedom of religion has been shaken. Our marriages have been shaken. Our family have been shaken. Uh, The moral and ethical values that we believe in have been shaken to the core. 
Why? Because the Bible says we've moved away. We're living in a time of upheaval where everything is being shaken. There's a lot of shaking going on. Amen. Now, when I read this, I'm not going to talk about the uh, gloom and doom that you suppose. I'm going to talk today about the answer, and the answer is Jesus. Hallelujah. The answer to our nation and the answer to everything that is going on in our world today is the Lord himself. And uh, no matter how bad the world gets, uh, no matter how corrupt and how evil it may seem, and it may seem like our culture is decaying, God is saying, saying you can still survive not just survive but you can thrive even when your world seems upside down you can still keep your allegiance to god and so the book of daniel again the old testament is about allegiance about a young man who even though he's in this evil culture even though all of this stuff is going on around his life the culture has collapsed all the stuff that he believed in has collapsed around him he is now a prisoner in the nation of babylon and somehow daniel keeps his integrity now daniel is not a famous prophet at that time god is raising him up to be a prophet but this guy he lives in babylon for 70 years from 15 years old to 85 years old god uses this young man and he never loses his integrity he never loses his allegiance to god and it's an amazing story for all of us and everyone here that no matter what stage our culture is in we can still keep our allegiance and I want to make that very clear today because so many times uh, all of us are so worried and we're so uh, downcast. What are we going to do? Our world is turning upside down. Everything is going wrong. How, what, you know, I, I'm here to tell you, keep your allegiance to God. Hallelujah. The Bible said they took at least 25% of the nation of Israel in, in captivity and they made them prisoners uh, in Babylon. Could you imagine being taken away at 15 years old from your family, from all everything that you knew, everything, uh, all the people that you knew, all the friendships that you knew, and now you're living in a foreign land with an evil culture, and yet Daniel teaches us how to live for God no matter what they throw at you. And so let me read what happens here in Daniel chapter 1 so you can get the real heart. And again, I'm not going to get really deep into Daniel's life, but I want to lay the foundation of who he is and how it applies to us and give you some principles out of the book of Daniel to help you in your life to keep your allegiance to God. And so in Daniel chapter 1 verse 1, it says, In the third year of Judah, of Judah's king, uh, Jehokam reigned King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. What did he do? He besieged Jerusalem with his army. Now, when it talks the word, uh, word besiege means he, he is surrounded by hostile and uh, forces. In other words, there, when you've been besieged, an army has taken over certain things in your life. Have you ever felt besieged just by, by things and problems in your own life? And so it besieged, and God gave, and then it says this, and God gave Nebuchadnezzar the victory. I'm having problems with that already. It says that in the third year of this king of Judah, 
that this guy by the name of Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came in and besieged Jerusalem with his armies. He took over, and then it says, God, what God? Our God gave Nebuchadnezzar the victory. Nebuchadnezzar was not a godly man. He doesn't even fear God. He's not a Jew, Jewish. He's not a Christian. He's a total pagan, man. And the Bible says that God gave him the victory. I don't believe it's there by accident. I don't believe it's written there. By, it's there to give us some attention. It's there to get our attention today. And somehow the realms and spheres of dominion many times operate opposite than what we think. I'm going to show you something here. Because even Daniel says this later on. I'll just, we'll, we'll continue to read it. But this is what he says in Daniel 2.21. He says, he changes times. He's talking about God. And sees and he removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. So he says, he, he's the one. God raises up kings. He puts people in position. Even evil people in position. Proverbs 21 verse 1. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water. He turns it to any place that he wills. So let me just say this to you before we, I read on. God often uses pagan and evil leaders to discipline his own children. Oh, well, I'm going to say some controversial stuff this morning. But I want to show you how it is the word of God. Because many times we don't think this, but it is. God used Pharaoh... Remember the, uh, when Pharaoh in Egypt had the children of Israel in bondage for 400 years. God used Pharaoh. In fact, the Bible says that God moved upon the heart of Pharaoh many times. And that God even hardened Pharaoh's heart when Moses came. So I'll just show you that many times. And he used Pharaoh to discipline his own children. He used Cyrus of Persia the same way. Darius the same way. And he's using Nebuchadnezzar. God often uses ungodly people to do his will. Let me say that again. Those online that are watching, you didn't misquote me. God often uses ungodly leaders to do his will. You're going to read throughout the Bible. It doesn't line up. It doesn't make sense many times. But he allowed Nebuchadnezzar and his rule to discipline the children of Israel. And see here, look at what is happening. When Nebuchadnezzar, going back to that chapter there, it says of chapter 1, when Nebuchadnezzar returned to Babylon, now he went in there, he took over everything. He took with him the best sacred objects from the temple of God. Now he goes right into God's temple. And he, and he grabs all the sacred items that they had from the temple of God, of God in Jerusalem. And he put them on display in his pagan temple of Babylon. So basically, he was kind of showing off. He said, our God better than your God. In fact, I got all your sacred items, and now they're in my temple just to show it off. Not that I even care about them. Just to let you know who's in charge. Is that not evil? And he, ordered, he also ordered that the best young men, in other words, I'm going to get the cream of the crop of your men of Judah to be taken captive to be brought into his palace. So he says, I'm getting the best of your best, and they're going to serve in my kingdom. I'm just going to smear it in your face. Select only the best looking. 
I probably would have been picked right there. Best looking, strongest, smartest young man. See, I, I probably wouldn't have done good here. And bring them into my palace. I'm just joking, okay? But look at, look at what he says. He says, the best looking, the strongest, and the smartest young men. Did you know that, that that's the same value that we have in our culture today? Beauty, b- brains, and strength. That's what our world values today. Our world is built on academics. Our world is built on being athletic. Our world is built on appearance. It, it, it's our culture today. Our culture is all about sex, salary, and status. Am I right? Sex, how you look and how you appear, status, what your position is, your salary, how much you make, brain strength and beauty, academics, athleticism, and appearance. King Nebuchadnezzar said, bring the the best guys. And you know what he does? He indoctrinates these young men at 15 years old, and he puts them through an indoctrination of three years. In other words, I'm going to put them through my school, and I'm going to teach them all about Babylon and all about the Babylon. I'm going to brainwash them to be Babylonians. That's pretty heavy. It says, make sure that they were well-versed in every branch of learning, and they're gifted, they're gifted with knowledge and good sin and have the poise needed to serve in my royal palace. Teach these young men the language and the literature of the Babylonian culture. They're being indoctrinated. They're being trained for three years to be Babylonians. In fact, they changed their name because they're Jewish, they're Hebrew. They changed their name from Jewish name to Babylonian names. In other words, they rename you. In other words, I own you now. You're, you're a Babylonian now. How in the world was, was Daniel still able to keep his allegiance to God when he'd been, he'd been indoctrinated by their culture and their belief? And not only that, I'm changing your name. So they tell Daniel, you know what? You're named Daniel. You're no longer going to be named Daniel. You're going to be named Belteshazzar or Belteshazzar. I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm going to mess it up. Belteshazzar or whatever, okay? And um, uh, however, I'll do my best. Belteshazzar. And then then, uh, uh, he named a guy from Hananiah to Shadrach, Mishael to Meshach. And Ezariah, he was named Abednego. In other words, they're systematically reprogramming these Jewish teenagers. They're changing their whole ethnic, uh, ethnic background. They're saying, you're, you're going to be a Babylonian. They're replacing their godly values uh, that they learned in Israel to pagan values. We're going to give you new identities. We're going to give you a new culture. And yet this young man, this 15-year-old man, or a young man by the name of Daniel, his whole life is being turned upside down. And yet he grows up to be a man of God. How is that possible? In a Babylonian culture, being indoctrinated with everything around him at 15 years old, he grows up to be this great prophet of God. He lives up to 85 years old. In fact, they pull him out of retirement at one point, and he becomes the second in command of the nation of Persia. How is that possible? How is this guy able to keep his allegiance raised up to be a man of God in such an environment? 
He keeps his integrity. He keeps his holiness. Do you realize when you read his life, he's promoted five different times. Two different cultures, Babylonian cultures, and then a, a, a third culture, a Persia takes it over. So he goes to three different cultures. And he still excels everybody. And each king says, I want that guy. I want that guy. And they know his beliefs. They know that he fears God. In fact, uh, several different times he, he converts those kings uh, to serve the almighty God. That's pretty powerful. How is it that this guy, I mean, this is better than Lord of the Rings, man. This is better than any of these Star Wars movies, you know, where they, you know, uh, anyway, it's a lot better. It's, it's an amazing story how this guy is able to keep his integrity uh, when everything around him was turned upside down. I'm here to tell you, no matter what the world throws at us, uh, no matter what this nation is doing, we can stand and live for God. Hallelujah. Uh, I'm preaching better than you're clapping today, but that's okay. Three simple things I want us to look at right now. I'm not going to get any further into the detail of Daniel. I wanted to lay down the introduction to you uh, because in the next several weeks, we're going to talk about his life and we're going to go into some of the details of what he did. But today, I want to just kind of lay the foundation and kind of give you an introduction. Number one, here's a couple of things. Again, Daniel's life was turned upside down. Again, it shocked everybody around them. They shouldn't have been shocked. And this is why I would say my first point to you is don't be surprised by the adversity around you. Don't be surprised by all the problems and all the issues that are going on. It, it, you know, it really, the nation of Israel should have never been shocked. It should have been expected. Can you say amen? Uh, the Zechariah the, and all these prophets had been warning him, uh, or not just him, but the whole nation. They were warned that you're going to lose your freedom if you guys keep going this way. Uh, if you keep going in this direction, don't be surprised what's going to happen to you because the culture is changing. And I believe today, as people of God, we can't be surprised uh, about everything that's going on around us. In fact, 1 Peter says, dear friend, don't be shocked or surprised when you suffer through painful tests and trials that there's something strange is happening to you. He said, when the, norm, when the normal things around you are being shaken up, don't be so surprised. Are you so surprised that our world is as bad as it is? Can I tell you something? Heaven is perfect. We're not there yet. Hallelujah. As long as we live in this earth, guess what? Everything is broken. It started all the way from the beginning when sin entered the world. It messed up everything. I'm just going to tell you. When I, when I see Adam, I'm going to say, no, I'm not going to. I'm going to love that guy. I'm going to say, man, I probably would have done the same thing, man. I have the same human nature. Am I right? And so as long as we live on this earth, it's not heaven. And we know that heaven, there's not going to be any pain. There's not going to be uh, any more crying. Any of that going to happen there in heaven. But as long as we're here on this earth, there's going to be pain. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be sorrow, right? There's going to be, don't be surprised. Jesus even said, hey, listen, uh, in this world, he said, you, uh, you will. He didn't say you might experience some trouble. He didn't say that possibly you might experience. He said, you will experience difficulties. But then he said, but be of good cheer. Take heart. I've conquered the world. Hallelujah. I'll be with you. How many say amen to that? 
So don't let all the stuff that's going on around you blow you away. And cause, it's how you respond. You know what, I, what we do? The moment we hit crisis, you know what most people do? The moment they're running the problem, they're looking for someone to blame. The moment we run it, like, who do we blame for this? You know, and I've told you this. How do you spell blame? Be lame. When you blame, you be lame. New, the moment you start blaming everybody for your problems and for here, here's what happens when you're blaming you're not focusing on how to fix the problem you're focusing on who to blame I think we live in a society today that everybody is focusing on who to blame we live in a society that is so offended it's not the USA it's the USO amen United States of offense man everybody's offended my goodness, you're looking for everybody to blame. Uh, that's another sermon, amen. So there's a couple of things here today. There are four sources, listen to me, write this down, to our problems. Four sources to our problem. Number one is you, say me. I'm the biggest problem, say it. Come on, you are the biggest problem. Most of the problems in your life, you caused them. Most of the problems in my life, I caused them. I made some bad decisions, dumb decisions, shouldn't have did this, shouldn't have said that. Uh, you know, all of these things. I, you, know, uh, I, you know, how many times do we get stressed out, we get mad, we get upset, we say things we shouldn't say, we do things, we act ways that because we're all stressed out, we're under pressure, and we're our biggest problem. Am I right? Can I be honest? I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to put myself under the bus because most of you are so holy here right now. You're, you're shining up your halo there and you got, you're, you're, you know, you're fluffing your wings. I mean, you guys are so awesome. But me, me on the other hand, I'm just not there yet. I'm trying to get there with you guys. And just the other day, just the other day, I think just the beginning of the week, my, I was walking in the living room and my wife said, you know what? You need to show more of the fruit of the spirit. That's what my wife told me. I said, what? She goes, yeah, you need to show more of the fruit of the Spirit, man. And I said, what, you mean joy? Left? She goes, no, 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 let me read you the Scripture. So I'm going to read it to you guys. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Here's what the fruit of the Spirit is. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Can you show a little bit of kindness? Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, a little bit of self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Think about that. Show a little bit of kindness. Show a little bit of self-control. Show a little bit of patience. That's the fruit of the Spirit. I don't know which one she was saying I needed more of, but whatever it is, I got the message. Hallelujah. See, I, I, that's why I look forward to heaven, man. I don't have to hang out with my old flaws anymore. I don't have to hang out with, it's going to be a new me. Amen. Hallelujah. Some of you, I, you know, you're not going to be so annoying. It's going to be a new you. Amen. It's going to be a new you. All of that's going to be different for you. Can't wait to meet you there in heaven. You won't be an irritant anymore. I won't be the irritant anymore. Thank God. My right. The old nature. Man, the Bible says, that, you know what the old nature is? It's in Romans 7:19. Paul says, for, for the good I desire to do, I don't, I don't do. But the evil I do not want to do, I end up doing. The old nature, me. Number one source of the problem. Second source of our problem is the world that we live in. Say the world. Man, this whole world right here, this culture, this atmosphere, atmosphere that we live in is always trying to pull us down. Always trying. You know what, what the world does is somehow the world is always withholding its approval and we're always looking for the approval of the world. 
We're always looking to get everybody's approval. And sometimes what we'll do in order to get their approval is we'll lower our standard just to be liked. We'll lower our allegiance so that people can like us. We'll lower the way we live and our ethics and our values and our convictions so that we can get the world's approval because we think by getting the world's approval we'll be happy. That's a lie. Man, I mean, this culture that we live in, we're so immersed in it, isn't it? I mean, it, it's more, it kind of just dominates our life. And then we start comparing. How many have fallen into that comparison trap? You're comparing what other people do. And, and, and I, you know, I, I love social media. And it started off really good keeping people to connect it with people that you like. But it slowly turned into keeping up with people you resent. What are they doing that I'm not? What do they have that I don't have? Oh, man, I'm, I'm going to show off what I got. Oh, yeah, you got that? I'm going to show you what I got. You know, oh, you got that? I'm going to buy something better so I can show you what I got. Right? And those million one moments that we have now are like we're trying to measure up with everybody else. I, I read this article about the, the social media, and it says this. Social media, social media is the megaphone for achievements and, and a, magnify, a magnifying glass for insecurities. And when you start comparing your insecurities with another person's achievement, it's a recipe for anxiety. You want to know why you're so filled with anxiety? Stop being on social media. It keeps comparing everything. Makes us feel overwhelmed and stressed. We don't have a... And let me just tell you, social media is the highlight reel. That's not how people really look. That's not how much fun they're really having. My goodness. You're seeing the highlight reel. I mean, you were happy with the phone that you had until somebody said, I got the new phone. And you go, oh, this old phone, I don't want that phone. You were happy with the car you had until somebody else showed you their car that they have. And you go, this old car, I need a new car, honey. Oh, my goodness, car, not that. You just, had, you just bought that. You were happy with the car. This old house, I need a new house. Look at that person. And lady, you look at that hair, man. Look at that hair, man. I want my hair to bounce like the shampoo commercial. I wanted to, you know, just fluff open. I can't, how come I can't get it like that? Most of us guys, we're not worried about hair because we don't have any. But let's just move. Amen. Let's just keep moving. The third problem. The third. Oh man, I'm, I'm going to lose time here, I think, here. I don't think I'm going to cover everything I want. The third problem that we have and the third source of our problem is the, the devil. How many know we're fighting a demonic force here? It says, Ephesians 6, 12, for we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the rulers, authorities of unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. The moment you wake up, the devil's looking for a way to get you down. The moment that you wake up, the enemy is looking for a way to destroy you. God had the great plan for you. How many believe that? The devil had an evil plan for you. And he's looking for every seductive way to pull you back in. Every demonic strategy. You wonder, man, why am I having these issues? Why is all this stuff? Have you ever thought, maybe it's the devil? Maybe it's the demonic strategy coming against your life. Many of the battles that we fight, you don't even realize they're spiritual. 
It's not flesh and blood. A lot of the battles going on in our nation today, people think, I'm going to go out and fight it. It's spiritual. It has nothing to do with physical. It's a spiritual battle. We fight that with prayer. Can you say amen? And the fourth source of your problem, are you ready for this? It's going to shock you right now when I tell you the fourth source of your problem in your life is God. Oh, you guys got quiet. There was no amen. See, some of the problems and pressures and difficulties that we have in life come from God. Like I showed you earlier with Nebuchadnezzar and the nation of Israel, God allowed it to happen. Sometimes God will shake up your life, allow things to happen in your life for some good reasons. Okay, again, I said the devil can cause some stuff, you can cause it the world, but many times God will cause some bad things to happen. But you know, God allowed this whole crucifixion, but there was a resurrection. Can you say amen? There is a resurrection. So in Daniel's life, God gave him a few things. I'm not going to be able to get, and I got to go really quickly through them. God gave him a few things that for his problems to be able to face in order for him to shake him up and evaluate his life. So let me tell you why God causes problems in our life. Write this down, to inspect you, so that you can take a look at your life. How many know problems, man, when you get problems, all of a sudden you start looking in the inside. You know what's happened during this whole coronavirus? God began to just make me look on the inside. I have to take an inspection about my attitude and my motives and why I do what I do. They, they, I, read, I read this quote. Some people are like bags of tea. You don't know what's in them until you drop them in hot water. I have found during this virus what's inside of people. Man, as soon as they're under a little pressure, oh, man, this, this, they get mad, they get upset. They're, they're mad, they don't like this, they don't like that. And God uses problems to inspect you, to see what's inside of you, to see what's out of whack in your life. You know, sometimes things happen in our life just to see what your true motives are. Right? What your true motives are. Some things can happen in your life. Man, all of a sudden, hey, are you there for God or are you there for people? You ran into a problem with people and now you want to leave church. But the first thing is, you, you said, I'm not here for people. Then why are you leaving because of people? If you're not here for people, why are you leaving because of people? The motives are wrong. That's right. Because you were never here for God in the first place. That's what this coronavirus has done. Oh, man, I'm preaching better than you're, you're, you're clapping today. When Adam fell into sin... Remember that? God comes walking through the garden and says, where are you, Adam? And Adam said, I'm, I'm here. You know, I'm hiding. And he says, who? He goes, why? Because I'm, I'm naked. God says, who told you you were naked? See, God knew exactly. How many knew, know that God knew where he was at? But God was trying to tell Adam, I want you to know where you're at right now. In your spiritual, in your spiritual life, in your state of mind, you're guilty. You're in the wrong right now, Adam. That's what's going on in your life. Jeremiah 17, 10 said, The Lord searches our heart and examines our deepest motives so, so he can give to each person his right reward according to how he had lived. So God is checking your motives. 
God is checking what's inside of you. And problems and things that happen in our life reveal those things. How many know that if you see a young man walking a, a, an old lady across the street, you would say, man, that's so awesome. But motives are, 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 are important. Because that, if that guy was walking the old lady across the street to steal her wallet, that would be wrong. Can you say amen? That's the wrong motive. Yeah, he's walking her, but he had a wrong motive. So why are we here in the kingdom of God? Why are we in church? Do we have good motives? God cares. Listen to me. God cares more about who, who we are becoming than what we are achieving. Who have you become? Who are you today? Problems really reveal who you really are, where you really stand with God right now. I found that in, in, in the church and, and with believers, I really found out where they really stand when it comes to faith and the kingdom of God. Because problems reveal what your real motives are. God examines your motives. See, God is more concerned about his image in your life, not your image. But your integrity, can you say Amen. He said, I'm going to test your heart. Did you know that the nation of Israel, they were so rebellious when they left Egypt that they were walking in the wilderness. Remember that? They were walking in the wilderness. For 40 years, they were, they were roaming in, in, the, in the wilderness. And you know that a trip from Egypt to the promised land was only a few months, but it took them 40 years to get there. They kept going around in circles. Why? Because God was wanting to know what was in their heart. Deuteronomy 8, 2 says, God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years. What? To humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart. Whether or not you keep his commandments. I'm, I'm going to preach today. I'm going to just preach. I've talked to so many Christians right now. They go, Pastor, I feel like I'm going through the desert right now. I feel like so dry. Good. I'm glad you do feel that way. I'm going to preach. Why do you say good, Pastor? Because you're so emotional. Everything is based on your emotions. Everything is based on your feelings. You need to get a little dry so now you start living in faith. Instead of, I feel so dry, I don't feel anything. It's about time. Because you've been living in feelings since you got here. And you need to start living in faith, not on your feelings and your emotions. Thank God for feeling. Thank God for emotion. But I don't live on that. I've been dry a whole bunch of times. I've been through the desert months and years. Amen. Well, I didn't feel a thing. But I still have my faith intact. And I still have my allegiance to God. Some of us are so emotional, up and down. My goodness, you need to go through a desert. I'm going to pray you go through a desert, amen. That you don't feel a thing when you walk in here. So that you'll have a little bit of faith in God. And that your faith will be real. It'll be genuine. And your motive for serving God isn't because you feel good, because you believe in an awesome God who loves you, and he cares about your life, and he has the best in mind for you. Man, next time I hear somebody say, I'm going to say good. I'm going to pray for more debtor. I'm going to pray that you go through a debtor for 40 years. Amen. So you'll become the man of God like Moses did. Man, I, I don't know why I'm preaching like that today. But I felt like I just needed to say it. I will say this. My wife said, just don't hold back, honey. So I'm not holding back today. Amen. I'm going to bear the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to allow the Holy Ghost to use me today. But I pray today that we'll get these things right in our life. See, I, I believe God's measuring too is different than ours. And he uses that to measure our true commitment, 
our true faith, our true maturity, and our integrity. I believe that's what he was doing in Daniel's life. And you know what? He lived up to it. Can you say amen? He passed the test. He was that great man of God, even in a Babylonian culture, even in an evil time. He was still the man of God today. So I want us to pray this morning. Why don't we all bow our heads this morning and those that are listening online. Holy Spirit, help us today. God, we, we want to keep our integrity. God, we want to keep our allegiance. Lord, there's so many things going on in our lives today, in our world, and the place that we live in this morning. God, we need you to help us today. We need your grace. Help us to have an attitude and an allegiance like Daniel, who is in a culture, a Babylonian culture, dominated by this culture, indoctrinated by it. And yet, God, he kept his integrity. He wasn't moved. He wasn't shaken. Although the world had been shaken, his culture had been shaken, his nation had been shaken, his faith was not shaken. He kept his allegiance to God. So, Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you'll just move among the people of God that are sitting here right now. But maybe there's some that are listening to me right now, maybe you're online, maybe you're sitting here in this building and you've never surrendered your life to God. You've never given your full allegiance to God and said, God, here's my heart, here's my soul. I give my life to you. I surrender my life to you today. You need God in your life. I'm not talking about an emotion. I thank God for that. I'm not talking about a feeling. I'm talking about real faith in God. And maybe your world's been turned upside down. Maybe there's been some pain and all these things. And, and like I said, I, I, I'm not belittling what's happened in your life. I'm just here to tell you that God is real and he wants to help you. But he wants to save your soul. It's not who to blame and what to do. There's probably a billion people we can blame. But I'm here to tell you God loves you, cares about you, and has a destiny for you. And it starts with your allegiance to him, that you'll trust him today with your life. And say, Pastor, I want to trust God with my life today. I need Jesus in my life. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount. Or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.